Hello. <laughs> so uh, this is a message that I shared at the last young adult service. So a select few of you have already heard it. <laughs> but um, it's kind of fitting that I'm speaking it again because the topic is repetition. <laughs> so this message is part rambling about things that have been on my mind lately, part where I am in my walk with God, and part laughing at my own jokes. So I hope you can all get something out of it. <laughs> um, hopefully something more than just a little giggle or whatever. Okay. Repetition. 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 I'm not talking about the kind of repetition of hearing the same song over and over or seeing the same advertisement over and over. Those things have their place, as annoying as they are. If you write anything on your computer, you need to get Grammarly. Um, always see that YouTube ad. I also don't mean repetition as in the literary device where you repeat words or phrases or rhythms within a piece of writing, especially poetry. So just think of the chorus of your favorite song. Repetition, in the context I am using it today, is the act of repeating an act continuously to form a habit. Repetitive action. And I want to talk about how we can make important things like reading the Bible, prayer, and just spending time with God into habits. Habits, whether they are good or bad, are always formed out of repetitive action. I'm not talking about the little thoughtless habits, like patting your pocket to check if your phone is there. I'm talking about the habits that require not only a thought, but a decision to do the thing, to act on the act. It's nice repetition there, yeah. So, take brushing your teeth. You might think that such a simple task does not fall into the category of acts that require thought. You just put the toothpaste on the brush and, you know. Uh, but you would be wrong because if I wake up late and I'm not leaving the house, then I'm probably not going to brush my teeth. <laughs> Despite having the habit to wake up, eat breakfast, brush teeth every morning for my entire life, I still have to make a decision to brush my teeth. For some people, forgetting to brush your teeth might not be a big deal. For me, I can't simply forget. If I don't brush my teeth... My mouth feels gross. My breath stinks. All the colors fade to gray. People ask you how you are and you just have to say that you're fine, even though you're not really fine. <laughs> it comes down to making a decision. Brush your teeth or don't brush your teeth. That's how habits are formed. Whether you're aware of the decision-making or not, those split-second decisions on whether or not to act form habits. It's true for bad habits as well. We can make a big deal about how we're plagued by these bad habits that we can't escape. But you can. Decide not to do the thing. And then you stay committed to that decision. It's literally that simple. Doesn't mean it's that easy. But you don't need to come up with some elaborate strategy to live your best life. Just make a decision and stick to it. How? How can we possibly 
find the will to make that right decision, the answer is in 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. God has designed us to have that decision-making and committing power, and it's called self-discipline. It's already in you. You just need to activate it. God didn't just give us a spirit of self-discipline. He designed us to live with routine. The sun rises and the sun sets, and all the creatures of the earth follow a routine. Sleep, for example, very important. Having a sleep routine, very important. I've just had a really long holiday in which I have abandoned any sense of sleeping in any sort of routine to the point where I have recreated a routine which has in turn created chaos uh, because I literally can't sleep now. (laughs) (laughs) Because of my repetitive action of staying up all night every night, you know, doing important things like watching Netflix. Um... (laughs) Now, that has become the norm for my body, for my mind, and breaking away from it is hard. (laughs) So even being like, I have no routine, I'm living free, it doesn't work, (laughs) because we're designed to live in routine. And these routines, these habits we form, can easily be negative sources in our lives. When you're stuck in a bad habit, it can be really hard to see that there is a way out of it. But I've learned that the key to doing something is doing it. Rocket science, right? Let me tell you how I have been attempting throughout this year to break a bad habit. A habit so ingrained into my soul that it became a part of who I am and not just a bad habit. I am a terrible procrastinator. Yeah, it's a long, sad story. (laughs) Let me illustrate this for you because I want you to understand what I mean when I say procrastination. I don't mean simply putting, doing something off important until later. One time at Sisters Conference, there was this speaker who talked about procrastination. I was really excited to hear what he had to say because, you know, that was obviously what I was dealing with. But his message was absolute baloney. His message was, if you want to procrastinate less, you have to procrastinate more. His idea was that if, for example, you were writing an essay, you go and bake some bread, and while you're baking the bread, you think about your essay, so that when you go back to your essay, you've got all these fresh ideas. Sure, that sounds like a nice strategy, but my procrastination wasn't anything like that. (laughs) It's a cycle. keeps going around when you're in it. You can't see the way out. Last year was particularly awful because I was doing everything last minute, every assignment, every household chore, sorry, mom, every text message, every random thing I had to do was procrastinated, but specifically with my assignments because that was what I was really stressing over, of course. So I would put them off, not because I didn't want to do them, though that's where it begins, but because I was waiting for the moment when I'd get to the end of the procrastinating cycle and something in me would break and I'd get this adrenaline rush and this panic that would fuel my motivation and bam, get the thing done. (laughs) It probably wouldn't be very good, but it was done, so it didn't matter. 
The problem was that this moment, this adrenaline rush was coming later and later each time. If I just stay up until midnight, I'll be able to do it. Or 1am, or 2am, or 3am. Or, you know, just not sleep, that's fine. And I would say to myself, this is my creative process. Because when you're making meaningful art, you have to follow the creative process. You can't rush art. Step one of my creative process, open the Word document. Tougher than it sounds. Step two, check emails. Can't have that clutter hanging over you. Step three, check Facebook. Scroll through some minion memes or something. I don't know. Step four, check Twitter. Scroll through Twitter. Get annoyed at Twitter. Close Twitter. Step five, Spotify. We're getting closer now because Spotify is music. And, you know, that music that can inspire, you can feel that art coming. You know, you're getting inspired, which means it's time for step six, Pinterest. I create tons of aesthetic boards for my writing projects on Pinterest. It's my go-to inspiration station. So we're scrolling through those pictures. We're getting all those creative juices flowing, ready to jump into step seven, YouTube. <laughs> Once I'm in there, there is no escape. Not for another three hours at least. I can't just watch one video. I have to watch all the videos in my subscription feed. And everyone posts at least 20 minute videos. And uh, then, you know, usually you go down a hole of watching videos about how the Titanic sunk or something. And once all those are exhausted and my brain is total mush, we finally reach the final step. Step eight, go to sleep. <laughs> Unless the assignment is due the next morning, in which case ride like crazy, then go to sleep. So there you go, that was my creative process. As you can imagine, this bled into other aspects of my life. My prayer time was sporadic, my Bible intake was rare, and it was as I was coming into 2019 and lying in my bed, trying to sleep and thinking, I should read the Bible. And then going, I don't want to read the Bible. And then I had the realization that I'm saying this whole time, I'm a follower of Christ and God is first in my life. That's not true in that moment. I was 100% putting myself first, putting my desires first, putting my laziness first. Where was God in the process of procrastination? <laughs> Nowhere. It was just me leading myself around in circles. So coming into 2019, my final year of university, I didn't want to live like that anymore. I wanted to return to my love for my Heavenly Father. The love that puts him first, and I wanted to stop procrastinating. So I thought about how I would tackle the problem, what my strategy would be. I realized if I wanted to stop procrastinating, I just had to stop procrastinating. Just don't do it. Just don't procrastinate. That's it. And I was thinking, okay, I say that, but this is going to be so hard. It wasn't. It isn't. This is the greatest revelation I've ever had. You want to stop doing something, you just stop doing it. And then you're not doing it anymore. I'm not being sarcastic. That is a huge revelation for me. Obviously, God was in it because I don't think it should have been that simple, but praise God that it was. I do still procrastinate, but it's not quite as 
vicious as it used to be. I'm not often staying up until 3 a.m. writing assignments anymore. Um, I can kind of see where that speaker at Sisters Conference was coming from, but, you know, still baloney. And instead of going into a creative process nonsense, you just sit down and you just do the thing. I'm writing a book at the moment, so that's cool. And I'm not just writing, but actually going on Pinterest, but I'm actually writing, like, typing words. <laughs> I still do use Pinterest, though, a lot, so. <laughs> I'm reading the Word of God every day. I'm praying almost every day. It's not always easy, and it's not always exciting, but I love Jesus. I love learning about who he is. I love spending time with him. And that element is vital. Because you can have a daily quiet time routine, but the Bible isn't a toothbrush. It shouldn't be treated like a quick refreshing to the soul and off you go. That's the living word of the creator of the universe. We need to respect it and cherish it. And if we only read the Bible out of a sense of duty, a sense of I must do this to be a good Christian or I must do this to get into heaven, is there really a point to that? Don't do something so important without thinking. Wise people think before they act. Fools don't. And even brag about their foolishness. That comes from Proverbs 13, 16. The Bible is powerful. And we have that great power in the palm of our hands. And you know what comes with power? As a wise superhero's uncle once said, with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> That's right. This all comes down to Spider-Man. <laughs> if you don't know, with great power comes great responsibility is a quote from Spider-Man. And what does Spider-Man and I have in common? Not a lot because I don't like spiders. But I have a great power. As that verse in 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear and timidity, but of power love, and self-discipline. I have a connection to the Almighty God, and my responsibility is to love him wholeheartedly and follow him willingly and serve him and obey his commands, which he so clearly spelled out in his word, and to not procrastinate my life away. That's my responsibility. Don't run away from routine. Don't fall into the trap of thinking every day is the same and every day is pointless and every day is just another day. Lamentations 3.23 says, His mercies begin afresh each morning. Every day is a new day. Every hour is a new hour. You don't have to wait for a panic to set in. You don't have to wait for your life's purpose to be handed to you on a silver platter. You have a great responsibility. No one else is going to live your life for you. You who God has given a spirit of self-discipline, only you have the power to make the right decisions and commit to them. And then let him lead you. You don't have to stumble around in the dark. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. You just have to do the thing. Whatever the thing in your life is. Use repetition to your advantage. Build healthy habits Seek God, and I guarantee if you ask God for help in your situation, he will give it to you because 
He is a good God. It's the end of my message today. So thank you.